Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Well, uh, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Now let's start with Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We've been ministering on rude revival. And um, as I was going through this, you know, we've been talking about, you know, in rude revival, kind of the premise and the context is this, that a move of God is really disruptive by nature. A, A move of God, when we're asking for God to move, when we're Uh, asking for his hand upon something or for him to show up in power and demonstration like we all believe that he can and believe that he will, we have to understand that he's not really consulting us. He's not really, you know, asking for our say or uh, has, you know, maybe even our preference in mind of what that move of God may look like. And So as I was thinking about this and then thinking about Christmas, you know, if I asked, what are some words that you would associate with Christmas? What are some words that you would give me? You can shout them out to me. We'll we'll make this a back and forth thing here initially. Somebody give me one. Presence, okay. Thankfulness, joy, family. Family, those are all great. Hey, someone said food. Okay, we know what you're doing for Christmas. They're just going to load you up with some Longhorn gift cards or something, Give, treat you to Austin's or something. That, that's what, no socks. We're not, no socks for Christmas. We'll just get you some food. You know, when we think about these words, we think about what we associate with Christmas. It's usually things along joy and happiness and um, you know, gift-giving presence, the peace of God, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, right? Uh, all these things, and, the, and, and you wouldn't be wrong. But when you go back and you actually read the actual account of Christmas, um, you might find the opposite. Let me give you some words. And um, let me see if you've ever associated these words with Christmas before. Scandal. Adultery. Embarrassment. Shame. Uh, Born in a barn. Here's a good one. Mass murder. Ever associated that one with Christmas? Boy, y'all are like, Pastor Mark, you're setting us up great. This is going to be a great Christmas this year. Uh, Political unrest. How about hiding and wandering for your life? This is the Christmas. Everything I just mentioned was associated with the very first Christmas, or at least what we center Christmas around the birth of Jesus. Let me give you some context real quick. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, 
It says this, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together, that's the the PG version, before they came together, that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. I've heard some crazy stuff, but I don't think I've ever heard someone try to pull one over on their newfound husband. I got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Not Steve down the street. Come on now. And I'll remind you that this wasn't a big town where something like this could get swept up under the rug. This is small town stuff. You know what happens when these kind of rumors go around in small towns. So that's going to lead to some embarrassment. It's going to lead to some shame. It's going to, how in the world are you supposed to prove this one? How in the world am I going to get not even just the townspeople, how am I going to get the man that I'm already engaged to marry? And in their day, a betrothal, uh, an engagement was just as valued and just as important as the marriage itself. The only way you could become unengaged was through divorce. And that would bring shame not only upon the young girl Mary, but upon her household. There's going to be speculation. There's going to be gossip. There's going to be rumors. And that's not going to just go away because Gabriel shines his light and shows up in someone's bedroom. You know, you're almost like, you know, I understand you're infilling me with the Holy Spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit. But is there any way you could let the town know? Is there any way you could have this big mass demonstration so that they're in on it, right? Uh, is there any way you can let, because they're probably going to have a hard time buying that story. That's not common that people just up and get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit's been blamed for some stuff. <laughs> that was the Holy Spirit. This is the first time someone's blamed pregnancy on the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man, not an unrighteous man, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. This is a scandal, y'all. This is Jerry Springer stuff. This is, this is not Christmas like we thought. There's no creed. There's no presents. There's no wonderful counselor, mighty God. Oh, yeah, I, 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 that's great that I'm going to get impregnated by the Holy Spirit with the Son of God, but do you understand what kind of position this puts me in? That's a little disruptive, isn't it? It's a little challenging. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So good. Now he is at least in on this whole who's getting pregnant. But guess what? He's also in on the scam, the shame, the embarrassment. Now he's become a part of this story. 
she will give birth to a son. And you are to name him Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. The next one I want to show you in Matthew chapter 2. Verse 13. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. It says, after they were gone. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is after Jesus has now been born. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, get up, take the child and his mother. And how's this for a a birthing gift? Flee to Egypt. You just had a baby. You're going to take your infant child and the wife that just gave birth to this child, and you're going to flee. That means run. Flee is not vacation. Come on. Flee isn't pick up and go to a place of your choosing. Flee to Egypt. Immediately after this child is born, they are instructed to get up and run for your life. Somebody's out to get you. Great. So this pregnancy that has already brought embarrassment and shame on our house and upon our family. Now this newfound child that's supposed to be this blessing to the world is actually a burden to our lives. We can't even go about life as we normally would. We can't go back to our hometown. We can't go back to our friends. They've been completely up and had to remove themselves from any familiarity, from anything they would prefer, from anything that was comfortable and convenient to them and are instructed to flee for your life, this new baby that you have welcomed into the world is actually a reason for your life to be sought for. Flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. So you don't even have an allotment of time. You don't even have stay there for 60 days while I sort this out, and then you can reach. Stay there until I tell you. That's a little disruptive. That's a little challenging. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16, skipping down a few more verses. Then Herod. When he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men. If you remember when the wise men came looking for this newborn king to worship. Following the star in the, in the east. Following the star all the way. They go to King Herod and they say, hey, we've heard that there's a new king born here in this area. And we want to come and worship him. Not a good idea to tell a standing king. That there's been a new king born and we want to come and give him reverence and worship. Especially a king that's already out of his mind. If you know anything about Herod, Herod was a lunatic. Herod killed off his own people, his own family even. Herod was a nutcase. That, you don't want to go to that man and say, hey, we've heard there's a new king in town. Oh, really? Well, after you've done... Uh, After you're done worshiping him, please come and find me so that I may also come and worship him. Right? That was the instruction. 
And thank God, I mean, for wise men, not very wise. I mean, come on. If anybody should have known, that's the last guy that we should be reaching out to about a newborn king. And they said, oh, sure. Once we find him, we'll come let you know. Oh, thank you. I want to come worship him too. Yeah, right. So obviously an angel approaches them as well and says, no, don't let him know. Go return home a different way. Well, when Herod realizes that he has been outwitted by the wise men, he flew into a rage, it says. And he gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. I don't even have to mention the disruption of getting ready to give birth, having to leave your hometown, go to your husband's hometown of Bethlehem, not being able to find room at an inn because everybody's traveling at this time. I mean, their Christmas season was no different than our Christmas season, apparently. Maybe that's why we travel so much during Christmas is in keeping with the original Christmas where everybody was traveling, you couldn't find a hotel somewhere. No lodging. I couldn't find a hotel for Christmas. Well, neither could Jesus, so you're in good company. (laughs) And he wasn't even born yet. Disruption, challenge, even when God wanted to bring his son into the earth, there was disruption. You begin to learn something about how God operates, even in the scenario of Christmas, even in the picture and imagery of Christmas. You begin to learn something about God that, you know, God does very little asking, and he does a lot more assigning. He's not asking us, in a sense, what role would you play? I'm getting ready to move on the earth. I'm getting ready to to touch earth with heaven. I'm getting ready to bring my son. I'm getting ready to bring a move of God. I'm getting ready. I want you to be able to apply this, what we're saying today, to what God is doing in the earth today and recognizing that very few of these people's feelings, schedules, plans, agendas were considered This almost seems a little rude, to be honest with you. It almost seems in the way that God shows up, in the way that God moves on these individuals, in the way that God is, God is picking, he's causing people to have to pick up and move. He's causing people have to get married around scandal. He's taking a time that ought to be a joyful, exciting time, and he's just added this great, burden of shame and guilt and embarrassment, and I promise you that's not the way it was, and and all this crazy messed up stuff, and then on top of it, 
having Jesus, giving birth to Jesus, now puts a target, a bullseye on our back. Now we're being hunted down like we did some incredible crime against humanity. Now we're having to flee. Now we're having to run. Now we're having to pick up and move to Egypt. Nobody wants to go to Egypt. Why do we have to go? The last time I checked, we're supposed to be getting out of Egypt. <laughs> if I remember correctly, Egypt wasn't known for a place that we all wanted to be running to. It was known as the place for the Israelites, for God's people, a place that we had escaped, a place that we had run from, not run to. It's just a complete dismantling here. Now, of course, we know the back of the book. We know the end of the story. It's easy to read these stories. And it's easy to gather children, you know, or let me, let's read the Christmas story together and, and, and bring all the family and drink your eggnog and do. But in, in the moment, there was nothing joyous about this occasion, at least not for the key figures that had key roles to play, key parts to play in this story. And this is the thing. If you want to play a key role in what God is doing, then you had better be ready for disruption. We had better, there's not the, the comfort and the convenience as we think there is. There's not the great consideration. It's not going to happen when I finally get everything in order. It's not going to happen when I finally have a window in my life. It's not going to happen when all of a sudden the stars are lined or when that person likes me or when I get this job or when I have this much money in the bank or when the kids go off to school. Or Man, God knows how to mess some things up. And the story of Christmas is the very picture of God showing up and disrupting and challenging some things. But in each one of these passages, I want to highlight a few things. In Matthew chapter 1, in verse 21, Again, this is the angel speaking to Joseph. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. Now, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Man, if you can, you ought to highlight that or underline that. Put stars around it. Put a circle it. Do something. Now, all this took place to fulfill. Everyone say fulfill. All this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 14. So after the angel commands Joseph to take the family, flee to Egypt, Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, here it is, might be fulfilled. Everyone say fulfilled. That the word of the Lord might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt, I called my son. 
Matthew chapter 2, again, uh, there with verse 16. Herod, realizing he'd been outwitted, flew into a rage, gave orders to massacre all boys to and under in Bethlehem. Verse 17, then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet, here it is, was fulfilled. Everyone say fulfilled. See, what might seem like a disruption to us is actually intentional by God. What might seem chaotic, what might seem crazy, what might seem like, God, I'm not ready. God, I'm not there. God, I just got this job. God, we just have these kids. God, these kids just left the house. God, we just did this. God, we just did that. God, I would, I, you know, can, can you give me some more time? And he's saying, I've got a plan. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I need your help in assisting the fulfillment of my plan. Each one of these measures that were disrupted, each one of these measures that were chaotic and disorderly, were actually intentional and purposed by God in heaven in another time, in a time much further back. And it all came to fruition in this moment. In order that it might be fulfilled. Even after they returned from Egypt, in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 2. Then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was nothing to write home about. In fact, it was said of Nazareth in the book of John, someone responded and said, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, we're talking about raising the Son of God. Can we, can we pick a, a, better, a better decent place, maybe better school systems, better vacation spot, you know, a greater environment, less crime? I mean, you know, whatever. When you're thinking about where you want to raise the Son of God, I mean, you want to pick something good. Not Nazareth. We're going to gain a reputation in this community. Jesus is going to be raised in a town where nothing good can come out of? It reminds me of Mark chapter 6 when Jesus went back to Nazareth after he had uh, uh, received the Holy Spirit and he's begun doing signs and wonders and miracles and he's ministering and preaching in all these towns and villages and he comes back home to Nazareth and they had such a blatant disregard of their own community that they said this, that how could this man and these miracles, and these messages, and these sermons, and these amazing things happen from someone that came from here. Don't we know his mother? Don't we know his father? Isn't this just the carpenter's kid? And even though they saw the demonstration of miracles, even though they saw and heard the messages and the power going forth, they still came to the conclusion, ah, that's not real. And they didn't believe him. They doubted him. They were moved with unbelief so much so that the only time it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus did not heal somebody. It's the only account we have. Everywhere else he would go, every time he went to, uh, uh, you know, 
uh, uh, you know, any other town, any other village, he healed all that were oppressed of the devil, right? He healed all kinds of sickness and disease. They would line them up from morning until night, and he'd be healing, healing, healing. He'd be ministering, ministering, and people would just sit there in awe. But he comes home to this wretched place called Nazareth. But it goes on to say he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to what? There it is again, fulfill. I wonder what the disruptions in our lives are fulfilling in the plan of God. If Christmas shows us anything, it shows us that regardless of how bad it looks, regardless of how messed up it may be, regardless of how it may have turned out, God is still up to something. Christmas is the proof that it doesn't have to look like it to be a move of God. And it could be the very disruptions in our lives that are an indication that God is on the move. It could be the very things he's confronting, the very things he's challenging, the very situation that looks completely contrary to what God is trying to do in our life, that that is the very indication I'm up to something. I'm doing something. I'm working. What's that song we sing, Waymaker? Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, even when it doesn't sound like it. Come on, you, you think things are getting bad in the world? Could it be simply that God is setting a stage for the greatest revival this earth has ever seen, the greatest move we have ever been in contact with, and he's calling you to play a part in fulfilling something. I love the account in the book of Luke. Because it gives us a little more insight. Matthew is kind of like the, the quick version. But Luke gives us some insight and some background information, if you will. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But look at this. She was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Have you ever been assigned something or been called to something by God that you felt you had no business being in the room? You had no business being considered? You had no uh, 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 qualifications? You didn't meet the criteria? Well, that's pretty much everybody in the Bible. Abraham was an elderly man, fatherless, married to a wife that could not bear children father of many nations. Moses was a murderer, couldn't talk right. Come on. Had grown up in the house of the Egyptians, and now he's going to be a deliverer of Hebrews from those Egyptians? Gideon, 
Remember when the angel showed up to Gideon? Mighty man of valor. Y'all remember? Y'all know the story. And Gideon's like, David, shepherd boy, not even invited to the anointing party, left out in the field, number eight. Surely we'll get through, we'll get through the first seven with the king before we get down to, don't even bother inviting him, that's a waste of time. He's got work to do. Next king of Israel. Paul, murderer of Christians, yet going to be the catalyst of the modern day church. The list goes on and on. The fulfillment of the plan of God doesn't come through you. Doesn't come by your hand. It doesn't come by your power. It just simply comes by our submission and obedience. She's troubled by this, but in verse 30, the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This is not an audition. This is a recruitment. This is not, would you come and uh, be considered for the role of Mary in the Christmas play? This is what you call being voluntold. Ever been voluntold for something? Mary just got voluntold by God himself. This isn't a request of consideration. This isn't a letter in the mail that says, would you please accept this letter of consideration. Send us your response at your convenience. No. God isn't asking, he's assigning. He's got a plan, he's got a purpose that will be fulfilled. From the Old Testament to the New Testament. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the foreshadowing and the prophecies that go on. It's said of Jesus that he fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies in his life alone. So that it would be fulfilled. 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 The word made flesh. The word not returning void. But accomplishing that which it was sent to do. Fulfilled the very word that was sent before it. And you and I get the opportunity to fulfill the word of God set before us, even in this time, even in this day. What a great honor and privilege that he saw fit to put you on the earth in such a time as this. You put your best players, you put your best team, you put your best uh, uh, individuals in the game at the end when it counts the most. And you and I are here. Paul is not here. David is not here. Gideon is not here. Moses is not here. But you are. Look at your neighbor and say, you are. Come on, look at them. Point them in the eye and say, you're here. You're here. I'm here. Come on, point to yourself. Say, I'm here. I'm here right now. I'm here to play a role. I'm here to fulfill a vision. I'm here to to play a part in the last day move of God. I have a part to play. And he's not asking me, he's assigning me. The only question is, will I answer the call? 
Thank God Abraham answered the call. Moses answered the call. David answered the call. Gideon answered the call. Samson answered the call. Deborah answered the call. Esther answered the call. Mary answered the call. And then to get all the way to you and I, we're going to say, ah, you got the wrong one. No. May it not be. May it not be. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. See, I am the Lord's servant. Man, that's it right there. That's it right there. I am the Lord's servant. She says this, may it happen to me, here it is, as you have said. How do I respond when I feel overwhelmed? How do I respond when I feel like he's got the wrong guy? How do I feel? How do I respond when I feel like there's no way I qualify, no way I meet the criteria, no way I can fulfill this, no way I can do this? How do I respond when on the inside I'm troubled, on the inside I'm fearful, on the inside I'm anxious, on the inside I'm saying no way, no way, no way? How do I respond? I am your servant. May it be according to your word. May it be according to your word. May it be, because why? Because it's not about you. It's about fulfilling the word that went before you. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, look at him say, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about the purpose. It's about the promise. It's about the prophecy. It's about fulfilling the plan that God has already set in motion. And this isn't a consideration of can you. This is a consideration of will you. And if you won't, I will move on to the next. I believe he will. I believe he will. Might as well just say yes. Might as well just be like Mary and say, I am your servant. Let it be unto me according to your word. According to your word. I, don't, I can't wrap my head around it, but according to your word. I can't see how this will work, but according to your word. Do you know what my marriage looks like right now? But according to your word. Do you know what my financial situation is right now? But according to your word. Do you know where I've been? Do you know what I've done? Do you know who I've hung around with? Do you know what's been associated with me? Do you know my reputation and my character? But let it be according to your word. He's fulfilling something. He's doing something. In Luke chapter 1, verse 45, Luke chapter 1, verse 45, it says this. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. I love the fact that it uses the feminine term there because the church is known as the bride of Christ. If she can do it, so can you. You don't want to talk to me about female preachers. That messes me up. That, that'll get me going. 
They can give birth to the Son of God, but they can't hold a microphone and teach you from the Word of God. That's a problem. That's an absolute. You have just placed a care and a value on a skin suit rather than the Spirit of God living inside of somebody. And I hope no one ever treats you that way, whether you're a male or a female. It's about power. It's about what God does through someone, not about the person themselves. And if she can do it, so can I. If she can do it, so can we. If she can do it, so can the bride of Christ, the church of the living God, the body of Christ living and dwelling and existing in the planet today. We can do everything. Let it be according to your word. Blessed is she who, what? Believed. It didn't make sense. It doesn't say blessed is she who understands. Blessed is she who gets it. Blessed is she who comprehends. Blessed is who she has reasoned it out and put all the things together and says, oh, okay, I see why you picked me. No, blessed is she who simply believes at the command of your word, and I will just be obedient. I will just be submissive. I will just follow you wherever you tell me to go, whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. And even if I mess up, I'll pick back up. And continue on with the purpose that you've called me to. I say that because Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. Y'all remember that? He was 12 years old. Three days go by. Y'all seen Jesus? You lost the Son of God. (laughs) I thought he was with you. I thought he was with you. I can only imagine that conversation in the car ride. This ain't no Kevin home alone stuff. This is Jesus back in Jerusalem alone stuff. And he said, oh, I'll be about the Father's business. Which father are you talking Your father's about to go off on some business right now. Don't you ever walk away from me. I don't care if you are the Son of God. Don't you ever walk away. Look at this in Luke chapter 2. Isn't it good to know that God's plan will prevail? God's purpose will prevail. Let's stop judging it. Let's stop laying out criteria. Let's stop making God meet all of our conditions and qualifications. Let Quit giving God a checklist and just give him your obedience. Just give him your, I'm here, I'm your servant, let it be unto me according to your word. Can we have that response when God calls us? And look, let me, let me just put it to you this way. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Just get in the habit of obeying quick. That's something I'm working on in my life. I just want to respond quick. I want my response time quickened. I I need a better response time, stronger response time, quicker response time. It might mean survival. It might mean life and death. And maybe not just mine. It might mean my kids. It might mean my family. It might mean this church. It might mean somebody else's actual life. I need to respond quick to the Spirit of God. Obey quickly. Let it be a quick, quick consulting in your mind, quick considering all the ramifications, quick trying to make it make sense, and respond quickly. Delayed obedience is disobedience. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem 
whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. Verse 33 says, His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Worship team, if you'd come. Mary and Joseph stand amazed because they know everything, uh, the upheaval in their life the disruption, the dismantling of agendas and plans, and I was going to run this carpenter business, and we were going to do this, and we were going to do that, and now our name has been run through the mud, and all the scrutiny, and all the scandal, and then we had to run for the first two years of his life, and, and wondering, you know, what do we do to deserve this? What do we do to bring this? And in that moment, when the prophet, guided by the Spirit, finally sees the Lord's Messiah, they stand amazed and they say, that's why. That's why. Maybe you won't know why you're enduring the disruption you're enduring right now. Maybe you won't know today. Maybe you won't know by this weekend. Maybe you won't know by Christmas, maybe you won't know by the end of this year why 2021 went the way that it did. And I want to start 2022 right, but I need some things answered. Maybe, but when the day comes and the Messiah is revealed, the plan of God is revealed, the purpose of God, then you'll look back and you'll say, ah, yeah, that's why. That's why. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.